Welcome to the Crypto Vault podcast, where we discuss the latest news, laws, and trends affecting your industry. Welcome back to the Krieg DeVault podcast. I'm your host, George Lepinotis, an attorney at Krieg DeVault. I'm joined today by one of my colleagues, Shelly Jackson. Shelly, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. I, for those that, that you're new to the podcast, so welcome to the Krieg DeVault podcast studio. Um, we are here today to talk about OSHA and its new vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine mandates and how those are infect, uh, infecting, <laughs> pun on words there, how they are affecting our clientele and other businesses throughout our service region. Let's start with just a brief primer on your practice. What is it that you specialize here as an attorney at Creek DeVault? Sure. Well, thank you for the um, invitation to share a little bit about what I do here. Um, I am a member of both our healthcare and our employment law practice groups. So as you can imagine, COVID-related, COVID-19 related legal issues have been fast and furious pretty much since the pandemic began. Um, but I would say recently, one of the er key areas of focus is a number of requirements that have been issued with respect to vaccination within the workplace. Uh, there are a few different types of mandates that have been issued. Today, we're talking specifically about the OSHA mandate uh, that applies to employers with 100 or more employees and sets the stage for um, for employers to potentially have to comply with those standards. But that's a big part of what I do. I am uh, I'm a former assistant general counsel and chief privacy officer from an in-house position. So I bring that uh, expertise or, or experience uh, to the table as well. And so I, I think that gives kind of a rounded out view in terms of what my daily life is. Right now I'm focused um, in, an, in an external perspective, serving clients and working with them. And I also have been the client. So it's, it's a kind of a nice uh, juxtaposition. I often tell people when we talk about attorneys that attorneys are have a unique role in an organization or for their clients of being those people in the process that are always looking at the worst case scenario. And I say that specifically about this situation because maybe five years ago, as you were practicing or I was practicing, and we would consider hypothetical situations that might erupt in the future. And you might have said to your client, well, we should be careful with this because maybe someday there's a pandemic and it could create situations. We obviously couldn't see everything, but I, I, I call this the pandemic, especially a perfect storm of legal issues. It almost is a law school exam or a bar yes. exam Very question. So. Um, let's talk about that. Let's talk, sure. let's talk about, first off, we all are familiar with COVID-19 restrictions, right? That they, yes. they have Restrictions have been, uh, with varying degrees of rigidity, have been imposed on American society for a couple of years now. And we have now morphed those restrictions from uh, geographic or spatial restrictions on how close we can be to each other or where we can be or what we can do to now this newest restriction. Or, or in this case, maybe it isn't a restriction, but what where does what does the landscape look like as far as the vaccine is concerned where do we stand as of today and i know that's a broad question but let's start with private industry so for someone that owns a business 
in the state of Indiana, for instance, because that's where we're headquartered. We do practice outside of Indiana, but for now, let's talk about Indiana. Someone owns a business in the state of Indiana. What does their landscape look like on requiring or mandating that their employees become vaccinated? That's a great question. And I think certainly you've described it well, that at the beginning of the pandemic, we had a host of legal issues that we were navigating. Those legal issues have changed over time. Uh, both as employers have started to learn to navigate those issues, but then also as some of the regulatory authorities have changed what orders they're issuing or what items are sitting in front of us. As it relates to vaccination in a private workforce of more than 100 people, that landscape is preparing to dramatically change. Uh, currently, unless an employer is under a particular mandate that is already in place. An example of that would be OSHA's healthcare emergency temporary standard, which did go into effect previously. Um, That contained some mandatory provisions, but didn't actually contain a vaccination provision. So there are some mandatory COVID-19 provisions that employers are responsible for. OSHA gives us a general standard, um, the general standard to ensure uh, a, a safe workforce. So that's already been into play. The CDC provides guidance. A lot of that has been guidance based and there have been some mandates. None of the mandates that are applying to our private employers here in Indiana um, Apply, have applied with respect to mandatory vaccinations. So this is a new landscape for them. Now, I will say in terms of clients and how they've handled this issue, we have a whole range. We have several clients that have already implemented their vaccination programs. And so they are already one step ahead in terms of having mandatory vaccination programs. In that context, there may not be a lot of change as it relates to implementing a new mandatory vaccination requirement for their workforce. For other employers, they have chosen not to implement any sort of mandatory vaccination program within their workforce. And for some, they have relatively high vaccination rates already, and so maybe this isn't going to be as jarring. For others, they they are looking at a workforce that maybe isn't at a particularly high level of compliance, uh, and so they will have to consider if, in fact, this mandate does become effective. There is currently a stay issued out of the Fifth Circuit, Uh, court, but we don't, that's a temporary stay. We don't know what's going to happen there. But assuming this goes into effect, they're really thinking about how can we shift and pivot to implement this in an effective way with our workforce. Um, They have an option under the OSHA ETS, the one that we're talking about today, there is an option. It's a vaccine or testing opportunity. So an employer can choose who's, who, who is what we call a covered employer who's subject to the particular requirements of the OSHA ETS. They can choose to either require mandatory vaccination for their entire workforce, um, subject to some carve outs for individuals who have certain medical issues or religious based exemptions. Or they can say you, you have a choice as an employee. You can either become fully vaccinated which is full primary vaccination at this stage. There's no requirement for the, uh, the booster at this stage. Or you can submit to testing approximately every seven days or more. So, or, so seven days is the, at least once a week. Um, there has to be testing for that employee to demonstrate that they are COVID, not positive for COVID-19 and there's a masking requirement. Uh, so there's really, there are some options for employers as they're looking to implement this. And right now, I think a lot of employers are in that that space of considering, number one, are they covered by the OSHA ETS, which is pretty broad based, but there are some carve outs and there are some exceptions. Um, and then second of all, if we are within that mandate, 
then do we want to adopt mandatory vaccination with certain exemptions that are required by law? Or do we want to say, we're going to give our employees a, a choice? And that choice sometimes comes with some enhanced implementation measures when you think about, for example, if you will allow weekly testing, where do you get the weekly test? Who's implementing that weekly test? What kind of test are you using? How does the employee report their test results to you? Um, or will you be doing on-site testing? So that's kind of a, a quick summary of where it, we're really in the gamut of, of people saying, you know, I think I'm good, but let's look at it and, and maybe do a compliance analysis. So from a compliance perspective, first off, you said a lot there, and I, I want to unpack a little bit of it sure. um, without getting too far in the weeds, right? I mean, if someone really wants to know the basis of these obligations, right. as always, they can contact uh, you or any of our other employment law professionals who can help them navigate that, as many of our clients are already doing. The issue, though, let's let's start with this. You mentioned a baseline or a threshold for compliance with OSHA's new ETS, right? Am I saying that correctly? Yes. And that that, that threshold is 100 employees. So for the employer who has less than 100 employees, OSHA's ETS does, is not applicable to their operations, correct? That's generally true. Okay. There can be some circumstances where an employer needs to look very carefully at its workforce. An example might be if they have um, some individuals who are classified as independent contractors but may be misclassified. That can push someone over a threshold if they are close to it. Um, but generally speaking, yes, if you have a workforce of employees that are counted for purposes of this uh, rule and you are under 100, then it will not apply. So, and I'm specifically thinking of, and I, I think I understand your point, if you're at 90, you probably want to consult with an attorney about what, how you're calculating that 90 to be sure that you're not subject to the law. However, let's say that you're at 25. Let's say that you're a small yeah. dental clinic in the city of Carmel where you have 25 employees and you are trying to decide whether you can implement a vaccine mandate of your employees. In a previous in, in our previous guidance that we've issued, I think the conclusion has been that, yes, an employer can make vaccination a condition of continued employment, correct? This is generally correct, yes. Yep. And there were some challenges to that previously under the emergency youth use authorization of the vaccines. But I believe at least one of the vaccines, if I'm correct, I believe it's the Pfizer, has now gained full uh, FDA approval so those arguments have somewhat gone by the wayside as well as the emergency use. We get by their emergency use approval. They're now just becoming fully approved and vetted. So really what we're talking about is not the employers who want to administer a COVID vaccine mandate, but rather those employers who may not want to implement a vaccine mandate. And both are fair, right? There are different perspectives on this vaccine absolutely i i think that in general the history of vaccines has always been somewhat tenuous but with this particular vaccine there is more trepidation or at least we're seeing some trepidation from some from some about this what would be your advice i mean is there are there ways you mentioned the masking you mentioned the testing is that have to be on a complete workforce or can it be 
individual by individual. And then you go to that level, right? Because if the employer doesn't want to, impl- or if the employer does want to implement a uh, mandate, are employees, do employees have any ability to petition for some special exemptions? That's a great question. And there's really kind of two layers to that. Um, the first, I and I'm speaking in the context of the ETS itself, um, the first layer is you have certain segments of your workforce who, even though they work for a covered employer, may not actually be subject to the vaccine mandate as it's currently existing. And the reason for that is if they, for example, work exclusively remotely, they work in their homes, there's never any opportunity for them to be in an office, on site, having responsibilities um, in a workplace, then uh, assuming they meet those standards appropriately, then that can be a, that can actually exempt them from the vaccination requirement because they are exempt by the, the way the rules is written. So that's the first piece. The second piece is broader, and it really extends beyond just this OSHA ETS, and it extends into the employee um, as an individual. And so there, in order to implement any sort of mandatory uh, vaccination program, an employer needs to be needs to consider the the requirement that the employer uh, look at things like if there is a request for a medical exemption, there are processes to do that. Is there a request for a religious exemption? There are processes to do that. Now, there are some circumstances where an employee is simply subject to the employer's man, you know mandatory requirement, and there isn't necessarily an option to opt out. It is a condition of employment. It is a condition of employment. So you are also, in addition to being an employment law specialist, you're also a health care law specialist. And are we seeing a different standard for our health care workers in our health care organizations? I mean, I'm assuming that as um, throughout the state of Indiana, many health care organizations are most likely subject to the to this to this OSHA uh, ETS. But even before then, Healthcare workers are in a unique position. They often come in contact with both sick people and healthy people. Um, are we seeing it more stringently applied in that setting? Well, again, another excellent question, and I would say yes, and on number on multiple levels. First, within the healthcare industry, there's a whole gamut of what that means to be providing healthcare in some respect here in our. Uh, community. And that can be anything from hospital-based, clinic-based, home health-based, all sorts of other types of services. Uh, So from that piece, I think the experience of healthcare entities has been uh, varied in that sense. The second piece is the regulations that sort of reach into those healthcare entities. So for example, concurrently with the issuance of the OSHA ETS that we're talking about now, there was an issue, um, or excuse me, there was a rule issued by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, that applies specifically to certain healthcare providers who are, uh, excuse me, healthcare entities and um, licensed individuals who are providing services under uh, government programs, Medicare, Medicaid, who are being reimbursed. So yes, I think that the, um, the landscape looks different. It's still as challenging, and yes, there's some, there sometimes can be, especially if you are in a setting where um, you're providing healthcare to people. A lot of times that involves physical contact that you might not necessarily see if you're just walking into a retail establishment. And so there are the CDC has issued guidelines. Um, there are guidelines that come from both state and federal sources of authority. And yes, certainly healthcare entities and 
licensed individuals are navigating that in a particularly unusual way, um, heightened with, with heightened uh, issues and awareness, and certainly just in addressing the pandemic itself. Right. Yeah. And that is, um, that is ultimately the goal here, right? Ultimately. As attorneys, we don't normally look at the, the politics of the situation. We simply advise on how do you navigate the law and stay in compliance and ensure that you're not incurring unnecessary risk. But with this particular situation, there are two sides to that equation, and it's important to hear all sides and, and all perspectives on the on, on the belief. But ultimately, it is a societal choice that we are trying to limit spread of the disease, and it, at this point, it appears anyways that the vaccine is the best way to do that. So having, with, with that in mind, it looks like both employers and employees have some options. And OSHA has been at least accommodating to some uh, people who are still have some trepidation about the vaccine. Is that fair to say? I think there's certainly been quite a bit of dialogue. Yeah. We're, we're, we're racing along at a new pace as it relates to vaccination and mandatory vaccination in the workforce, particularly with issuance of these most recent mandates. But absolutely, there has been a conversation uh, that has been occurring, like you said, not just among clients and um, business owners and, and, and employers and employees, but really within our entire um, society and, and having that conversation. I tell my clients, and, I, and I'm always very upfront, that my job is to help them manage their risk. And so as it relates to managing that risk, um, absolutely, people bring with them their views on a particular issue. And I think those views, I, I think we have to vet them and I think we have to listen. Um, but from my perspective as their counsel, my job is to come alongside them, be a partner with them and say, here's what the legal and regulatory landscape looks like. How do we get from point A, which is where you are right now, to point B, which is we see this potential risk coming up. How's the best way to manage that risk for your business? And that, you know, managing the risk can include formal legal, legal and regulatory compliance. It can also include things like how do you best take care of your workforce? What's your workforce telling you? Right. You know, how can you be responsive to the needs of the people who are coming every single day and making sure that they're taking care of those patients or taking care of those customers or building that object or building that item. And it's just such, you know, it's, it's such a um, an important relationship because it's not about telling an, a client that their opinion is wrong or less than or anything like that. It's about let me help you and figure out how to navigate this because these are complex times. You know, if people had asked us a couple years ago if we would be where we were, I don't know that any of us would have said, oh, yeah, sure. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, that's very true uh, and very well put, and I think probably a great place to wrap this up. Um, thank you. Thanks for the insight. Thanks for the thought leadership. Uh, for those listening, for those of our listeners that would like to know more about your practice, this issue uh, in general, they can find you on our website, craigdevault.com. I know that you've recently published some articles and done some more uh, efforts on this particular OSHA order because it is a very um, impactful order. So uh, yes. look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Shelly. Thanks for the time. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for what you do here to, to get some ideas out here into the community. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Have a great afternoon. And to the listeners, we'll see you soon.